Alrighty, good morning, folks. Uh, week three in the books. Uh, we were, I, at least I was getting really excited for week four, but uh, we had some news uh, this morning with uh, some positive COVID cases. Wiz, what are you thinking and how are you doing? I'm doing okay as far as what I'm thinking. I mean, you know, I said it yesterday. I think, you know, the NFL has done an incredible job, basically got through t- three weeks. Um, and now as we head to four, the week four, there's a little bit of uncertainty. Um, you know, just it, it's always something that we knew uh, it would come about. I mean, baseball didn't even make it past a few days before they were dealing with it. Football has done an incredible job. We'll see how it plays out. I hope people have been listening to us and put safety nets in place with their leagues as far as pickups and moves. And, um you know, get ready. I mean, it's it's not just one team, right? It, it actually relates to four teams. It relates to, you know, the news is about the Titans. They just played the Vikings, so now it brings in the Vikings to play. And now it brings in the two teams that, are tight, that the Titans and Vikings are playing in week four. So one team can quickly escalate to four, and you could see if that starts becoming multiples with teams, how that could escalate. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll certainly talk about it more during the week, but um, I guess, you know, there's nothing we could do about that now. We'll just wait for the information as it progresses, and uh, we'll talk about that, uh, I guess, on the Thursday podcast. But uh, before we get into, you know, what, what's what's happening so far in the NFC, NFL season through week three, let's, let's just touch base on the game tonight. And uh, I think my last question that I asked you was, do you think there's any way that the game ends up being a blowout? And I don't know, the final score will show a 14-point deficit. But I think that, you know, if you watch the game, you kind of felt that, you know, eh, you know in the first quarter that – they never had a chance, the Ravens. I mean, once the Chiefs got on top of them, um, it just seemed that Kansas City was in control of the game throughout. And um, it, it, it has to be demoralizing for the Ravens. I mean, to play that type of game, and it's not so much they've lost the game. It's kind of in the manner they did it. it. It looked like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I don't know if you have the same impressions. We didn't talk about it, but... It looked to me like Kansas City was playing a football game out on the grass, you know, on a Sunday against your buddies when you just know you're so much better than them and you're messing around and you're you're trying out plays and, like, you're throwing the ball to guys that never got the ball just for the fun of it and reverses and kind of doing whatever you want. And you're doing it against the team that people consider to be the, the the top team in the NFL or right along with Kansas City. So would you agree that it appeared and successfully so that Kansas City was just toying with the Ravens in that game? Uh, you know, so there was, was a funny scene during the game where Eric Bieniemy was screaming at the offensive players for uh, for a lousy drive, and then they came right back out the next drive and they scored. But, yeah, it was a, it was a really ugly effort from, from the Ravens. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this and who who the game was more important to. And I think I think I think what it showed me though is that number one, Kansas City Chiefs are still the champs, and they made a very profound statement last night. And right now they have the edge, and that the championship will will, will go through Kansas City most likely at this moment. Um, I think what's concerning to me on the Ravens front is that 
you know, th- this team has exhibited multiple times now when they've been pushed, when they've actually been down, that they really struggled to come back. And, you know, they got punched in the mouth last night. They got punched in the mouth. You know, Spagnola did this when they were facing New England in, in, in the Super Bowl as a giant defensive coordinator. The pass rush was a big part of last night's game. The Ravens line could not handle the front seven of, of the Chiefs. And Lamar, under a lot of pressure, he, you know, yes, he had some drops from his receivers, but he did make some poor throws too. So, yeah, it, it was an ugly, ugly effort. The score is not indicative of, of the lopsidedness of the game. I mean, why watch Lamar Jackson closely? And this is my you know, assessment of the player, is when – they're winning games and they're running the ball all over the team and, you know, they're kind of doing what they want and they go play action and he's back there and he's throwing the ball with confidence and the defense is on the heels and the defense isn't sure if they're going to run or throw the ball. He fires the ball. His footwork is good. His accuracy is good. And, and, and he's a different type of passer. That said, when he's in that shotgun and the Chiefs knew he was going to throw the ball, he has happy feet. He, if he doesn't have a receiver open right away, he's looking to put his head down and scramble and run out of there. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He needs to watch all Russell Wilson highlights. Watch how Russ Wilson keeps his eyes down the field, and he's scrambling not to run for six, eight, ten yards. He's scrambling to throw the ball down the field and make big, big plays in the passing game. And Lamar Jackson's still a young player. Um, he's still learning basically the position as far as NFL quarterbacks go, and he, I believe he will get better at that. But right now, he's not comfortable throwing the ball when the other team knows he's going to throw the ball. And that, that's going to, you know, that, that's the big difference. I mean, so there is a big concern to your point about the Ravens not probably feeling good or comfortable if they get behind more than seven points in a football game. Yeah, it's tough. And then, look, they don't have the offensive personnel that the Chiefs do. The Chiefs are, are, are stacked with offensive skill players who, who can hurt you. That's not the same case for the Ravens. Not, I'm, I'm not disparaging the players on their team. They, you know, they run the ball very effectively. They have some interesting guys on offense. Uh, but, you know, it's you know, like, it, it, like I said, it was on display last night. And, uh, you know, they're just going back to the drawing board and figuring out what's next. Next opponent, next man up. All right, there you go. So, <clears throat> all right, I think uh, I just wanted to say one thing. I had a friend of mine who made a real good hit on DraftKings yesterday. Um, he sent me a text this morning. I was really happy to see that. He, When you play the showdown game, whether it's on Monday or Thursday or Sunday, where you're just playing one game, the one thing that DraftKings, the rule is you can't take – there has to be at least one player from both teams. So in other words, you can't take six Kansas City Chiefs and you can't take six Ravens. And he front-loaded his lineups his lineup with the Kansas City Chief guys. And the one Raven guy he put in there was Boyle, who actually had more fantasy points than Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Brown, Andrews. I think with the exception of Lamar Jackson and maybe Tucker, he had the most fantasy points, so he made a good, good hit. So I'm glad that somebody actually uh, who's listening to the podcast um, 
you know, got some value out of it. And your dark uh, horse sleeper had a had a, a 93 yard kick return for a touchdown uh, Duvernay. So we did have some um, some good stuff yesterday. The people that were listening. Absolutely. We also uh, we also t- in the one the one prop bet that I thought I liked uh, yesterday going into the game based on history was was Travis Kelsey receiving yards, which was 69 and a half. And he had 86 receiving yards, so I was uh, I was happy with that as well. Yeah, mine mine lost because the Ravens never got down there, so there was no real rushing you know touchdowns. But I was su- surprised at that, especially on the first drive when they looked to get down there. But uh, if we go back to Saturday's podcast, my fade of the week at tight end was Andrews, and he put up a real clunker. And yep. I know you were down on. Uh, him as well as a as a uh, as a top five guy for the week. So uh, I think all in all, uh, we gave out a lot of yeah, valuable you, you, and good information. I, I was actually looking back, and I did this in one of my leagues. You know, so I, I ended up losing the game anyway because Patrick Mahomes hit me over the head last night. But I sat. If you remember what I said about fading both Jacobs and and Waller coming into the game, I, I sat both of those players in in a particular league. I, I, unfortunately, I lost the game still, like I said, but. You know, both of those guys have tough days. So, you know, when we when we are giving out this information and kind of what we're looking at, just make sure you're paying attention and hopefully you can take advantage of it. So uh, that's it. Absolutely. On that, that's it on that front. Yeah, so, I'm sure so, not many people gave out Boyle yesterday no. in the, for the game. But uh, let's move on, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some a quick assessment. Uh, I'm gonna take the AFC East and the AFC South. You're gonna take the North and West, and. Um, We'll we'll keep alternating divisions, and uh, if there's anything you want to add to my comments about uh, division, do so, and I'll do the same when you go. So I'll start first in the AFC East. There's really nothing to say about the Jets. The only thing of any interest for Jets fans is going to be where they will be picking anywhere from first to three um, for next year's draft. Nothing really to talk about their personnel. They're hurt and terrible. Um, and uh, nothing much to add. I, I want to move to the Dolphins, and after evaluating and looking at, at the at the at the games again that the Dolphins have played, and looking at the film of some of their games this year, um, they're a one and two. But there's a lot to be um, there's a lot to feel good about the Dolphins at one and two. They dismantled Jacksonville on Thursday night on the road. Their two losses. Uh, were against Buffalo and New England, and I got to tell you, they really played a good game against both of those teams. Against New England, their offense was horrendous. They gave New England great field position the entire game, and they hung in there. They lost a ten-point game at the end, um, but that 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 was something to build on, and. I think a case could be made that they should have beaten Buffalo. Preston Williams dropped an easy touchdown pass. He had an awful game. He's a good player. But they put up over 400 yards worth of offense in their game against Buffalo. Um, and they could have beaten Buffalo. So I- I'm saying that Miami is a one and two, but I'm feeling pretty good about Miami one and two if I'm a Dolphins fan. Just looking at the Dolphins overall, I'm kind of liking what I see from the Dolphins. I know we talked about how great of a draft this was going to be for them with all of their picks in, in such a talent-laden class. And uh, I think there's a lot to be happy about if you're a Dolphins fan. I definitely see a lot of progression in them, and they play really hard. As far as the two top teams, I think we went back and forth which team we like better, the Patriots or Bills in the division goes. Josh Allen has has just played outstanding. 
And I guess the question that I'll ask you about Buffalo is, you know, that I'll bring you in for the AFC East is, do you think that their offense, type of offense they're playing, is kind of hurting their defense from a defensive standpoint of fantasy football leagues? Because their philosophy has changed. And they're wide open on offense, but they're giving teams much more possession. So what do you make of these teams that are really scoring much more against the Bills' defense? Is it that maybe this defense isn't playing as well? Or do you think the Bills' wide open offense is kind of hurting their defense? Yeah, I think the latter, actually. And, and let's also look at it. It is, it is September. Uh, I would say talk to me in November and December when the weather starts to get a little bit colder and maybe they have to play a different style. Um, but yeah, they've gotten up. They got up big in this game. And, and you know I'm saying I, I understand that. But I'm saying, what about the game on Sunday? I mean, it just seems to me like the Bills defense from last year gets up on the Rams like that. That game is over. What did you make of the Rams just putting on an offensive display in the second half when the Bills had such a big lead. I think, look, the the, the, the Rams decided to open up their their uh, attack as well, right, and play a little bit different. Look, they got Cooper Cup very involved in this particular game, uh, which we hadn't seen in quite some time, which we thought was a was something that was wrong that was going on. But, you know, they definitely got him back, and Robert Woods made a made a successful and triumphant return to Buffalo. So just remember, the Rams still have some good skill positions, and they've kind of changed the makeup of their team a little bit. So I'm not going to get too crazed about, you know, the Buffalo – Buffalo Bills giving back some room. Yeah, it wasn't the nasty defense that we saw. I don't know. I'm just saying I, I, I get that. But, you know, when you have a team that you know has to throw the ball and, you know, their offensive line is okay, it's, it's a little better than it was at some point last year. But it was surprising to see the Rams just come back and, and be kind of unstoppable on offense. And the last thing about the Patriots before I bring you in for the AFC North is when you have offense players on the Patriots, especially wide receivers, this is the thing I've noticed. When they are playing a team that they're better than, just sit those players. But when they're playing a team that is competent on offense, that is going to give them a good game, that is going to score points against the Patriots, then that's the time to play Edelman and those receivers and, and, and just about everyone on offense. And they're playing Kansas City this week. So I, I just noticed that when New England is playing a team that they are better than, and they, they, they're just playing a conservative game, uh, that seems to be the case in weeks one and three. In week two, they play the game against Seattle. And I think in week four, it'll be something similar to the week two game where they're going up against Kansas City, a team that they're going to have to score again. So I just think their offense is predicated solely on their opponent. So look for that. It's, it's kind of like if they're playing a team they're better than, they're just going to be really conservative with their offense. But open up a little bit more when they know that, you know, they're going to be in a, in a, against a team that can score points. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you I, want to add on to that or just get right to the AFC North. No, but either way, I, I've got a couple of things to add on. First of all, this is a team that wants to run the ball first. Let, let's just call a spade a spade when it comes to the Patriots. I think uh, it was, I think, look, James White obviously had a tragic event. I don't know how long he's going to be away from the Patriots, but Burke had really stepped in. And if he's a player available on a waiver wire, I think it's a player you want to pay attention to, especially with, with White out. I, I think in the case of Buffalo, I've just been very impressed with the fact that Josh Allen has seemed to have reared in his inefficiency. He's, he's, he's passing at a 71% uh, accuracy field goal. I'm uh, sorry, uh, uh, passing completion ratio. So that's pretty impressive. 
I think with the Dolphins, their defense has played very well. Some young players and some additions that they have. And they played that game without Byron Jones on Sunday. So, excuse me, on Thursday. Uh, the one thing that was very clear to me is that Miles Gaskin is the running back to own in Miami, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that really haven't paid too much attention to that player. And then lastly, I, I would ask you back on the Jets, you know, how long is Adam Gase going to last this year? They play Thursday night against a, a, a really decimated uh, Bronco team, but does Adam Gase last a year? Um, honestly, I think that's a coin flip. Uh I, I could see that one going either way. Uh, maybe if we weren't in these crazy uncertain times, I would say definitely he's not going to last year of the year. But uh, with this pandemic, I'm just not sure what the dynamics of that would look like. It just makes things more challenging. So honestly, I, to me, that that's a coin flip. Okay. Great. All right. So I'll be I'll be quick with the AFC North and that we kind of touched upon the the um, Ravens already. Um, I, look, I would I would just say the one thing of the Ravens, I'd like to see them get guys like Duvernay more involved in the offense. And I think that happens as the season wears on. That's one thing I would look out for. I mentioned as I mentioned Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals as being a guy who I thought had upside for this past week, and he played very, very well. Uh, I know the Eagles aren't playing well. I, I'm impressed with what they see. Look, I think there's a shift going on in Cincinnati as well. I, I own uh, A.J. Green in one league. Uh, you know, T. Higgins made a, made some noise this week with two touchdowns and, and got a lot of run. John Ross was actually a healthy scratch. Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver to own on this team. That's it. Um, I know there's some concerns out there on Mixon. He got off to a slow start last year, so hopefully that begins to turn. Um, I'd say on the Steelers, um, you want to watch out to see what happens as far as Deontay Johnson goes because uh, that enables Chase Claypool to get some extra playing time if the case. Uh, a player that I'm extremely curious about. But it's nice to see Roethlisberger playing well. It's nice to see James Conner healthy. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing some good football. They're 3-0. and We talked about this team coming into the season, and so far they're doing that. And then lastly, on the Cleveland Browns, I'm just going to say this. Kevin Stefanski knows what it takes to win in Cleveland with this particular team already. And it's through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and that is the action on offense. So there aren't going to be a lot of games where the offensive players in the passing game are going to be doing, you know, really, really big things. You know, Beckham and Jarvis Landry, their, their skill sets are diminished on, on, on this team because this team is going to run the ball down your throat. And that's what they do best, and that's what they have to continue to do. Yeah, what I want to add about the division is um, Cincinnati, you know, they're two stars, I think, people considered coming into the season or the last few years, Joe Mixon and A.J. Green. I have big concerns about both players now. Um, watching A.J. Green plays, I don't know if it's the fact that he's older now. I don't know if it's the fact that he's missed time you know, I'm not sure how many games I keep watching or I say, okay, you know, he's got to get his legs under him and, and all of this stuff. Just the routes he's running, they're not as crisp. He doesn't see as as sure of himself. He used to be such a confident player, especially balls in traffic. I, I'm really, really starting to think about, you know, people maybe dropping A.J. Green or certainly not starting the player going forward until you, you see something. Right now, he just looks like another guy, and that's sad to say about A.J. Green. He really looks pedestrian, and I'm very concerned about the usage of Joe Mixon. Um, played an overtime game against the Eagles, and 
30 yards rushing and and his offense it just, it just it, it does it doesn't it doesn't look good and uh I, you know, Gio Bernard is just playing a lot more than I think a lot of people anticipated. So, real concern with the two so-called stars of the Bengals offense, um, with Mixon and AJ Green. I, you know, I want to say I hope it changes, but I'm not quite sure it's going to change. Uh, no surprises with the Browns. <clears throat> uh, anybody who doubted Nick Chubb or thinks Kareem Hunt is good as is as good as a runner as Nick Chubb. He's probably not watching the game closely. Besides Ezekiel Elliott, probably Nick Chubb is the best pure running back in the league in terms of just running the ball. His yards after contact are just incredible. Um, Speed, agility, elusiveness, and power, an amazing combination. I just think, like, I don't know, probably because he's such a humble guy, he's probably one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated player in football. We talked about the Ravens, the Steelers, look good offensively. Um, just thinking their defense may be a little bit overrated. I think you could make big plays in the passing game against them. But we'll see going forward. Uh, I think the Browns are trying to stick their nose in there like they could be up there with the Ravens and Steelers. The question is what happens when they play the Ravens and Steelers in those four games. The, so far the test is 0-1 and it was a resounding loss. So We'll see what happens when they play those two teams. Let's move to the AFC South. Um, you were really down on Deshaun Watson and the Texans offense. I've been going on and on and on about how they're just full of these finesse players and there's a lack of toughness, toughness there and their defense isn't great. That's led them to an 0-3 start, and I think their season is going to continuously struggle. You know, the Jags are kind of in a rebuilding mode. I like a lot of their offensive players. Robinson looks dynamic at running back and shock and they live this Chenault, you know, I'm I'm high on. So I like a lot of thing about a lot of things about the Jags, but they're in rebuilding mode and Minshew I like as well. So there's not much there's not much uh to add to that. You know, I think any anything that they do uh well is kinda gonna be beyond expectations. If if they, you know, get close to five hundred, I think that would be a good season for them. I think anybody who who really understands and watches the game realizes the AFC South would come down to the Colts and Titans. Uh, I'm surprised both teams are not three and zero. The Colts were surprisingly lost to the Jags in Week One. The Titans have seemed to have won three games, and all of them have been so so close. I mean, their record is three and zero, but in theory, they could be zero and three. I mean, they they won three tight games. I think uh, uh, beat the Vikings by a point or uh, um, point or two. They they held on against the Jags, and then they won that that opening week against the Broncos in three close games. So those are the games that they're going to play, and those are the games that they want to play. I still prefer the Colts, though now I think that gap is really, really tight considering the injuries that the Colts have suffered at the receiver position. But I think Jonathan Taylor is an absolute force to be reckoned with at um, at running back, and I have a, a good bet that I'm feeling really good about Jonathan Taylor winning Rookie of the Year that uh, I'm feeling pretty good about, to be honest with you. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, before you get to the AFC West, is there anything you wanted to 
add on to what I talked about the AFC South. Yeah, so I'd say on the Texans, um, they, they've been treated pretty poorly by the schedule makers to start the season. You know, if you really love Deshaun Watson as a player, this may be an opportunity to pick him up in a tr- on a trade cheap, I would say, uh, as the schedule kind of loosens up a little bit for them. But, uh, you know, I, don't, I still think those skill positions are, are, are an issue. I, I think a guy that you want to keep paying attention to um, in Indianapolis, and we've picked him up in a couple of leagues, and it's Mo Ali Cox. We talked before the season about Trey Burton potentially becoming a force, and he got hurt, and Jack Doyle is not the same type of um, skill set player that that the athletes that Burton and Moali Cox are, but Cox is making some noise there, and he's definitely making a case to be you know especially as as Wiz mentioned uh, the, the some of the pass catchers for the Indianapolis being banged up and Pittman's going to be gone a while, but Moali Cox is a guy you want to pay attention to on the Jags. You know you talked about Linder being out before that game Thursday, and then they lost um, they lost Cam Robinson for, for you know getting thrown out of the game, and that really impacted the way Jacksonville was able to play, especially without Shark as well. And on Tennessee, they miss AJ Brown. You know they got to get AJ Brown back out there. Uh, that knee bruise is a little bit more of a concern. Apparently, uh, we'll look to see reports there, but. That certainly impacts that team. And, yeah, that team could have definitely lost a few more games. They should have lost to the Vikings this past week. But uh, Steven Guskowski had a monster game, especially after two two shabby weeks uh, to start. He went berserk for the for the Titans this past week. Yep. So you're going to get to the uh, West now? Uh, yeah, let's go to the West. I'm not going to talk about the Chiefs because we've already kind of Threw a lot of superlatives out there, and I, I really don't have a lot more to add on that. Um, you know, we've discussed about the skill players for the Chargers and and what Justin Herbert meant for that, and that was on absolute exhibition uh, on Sunday against a a very young uh, Carolina Panther defense. But uh, 19 targets for Keenan Allen. Uh, Austin Eckler was uh, you know had a monster game, and I think as long as Justin Herbert stays in, it's better for this offense. I will say this defense is falling apart. Melvin Ingram uh, out for th- – he's on IR. I just read this morning that Chris Harris is now out. So there's a team already without Derwin James. So not a good situation for the Chargers on defense. Um, you want to talk about injuries? Denver seems to lose a, a player a day. And today uh, one of their offensive starters on, on the line is knocked out. Um, yeah, they're playing the Jets. I don't know who's going to be worse on Thursday night, and I couldn't think of a worse matchup. But Denver has massive issues. The quarterback situation, they've signed Blake Bortles. It really hurts their skill positions. But Noah Font is basically the only guy you probably can count on right now um, offensively for that team. And I'll just say this about the Raiders, who I had very high expectations for this year, but that was a really disappointing effort. Um, I know what Bill Pelichick does well. It takes away their best players, and maybe those guys were a little compromised injury-wise, but uh, to lose like that, it was an ugly loss. It was probably worse than the score indicated. You know, It was a bad, bad game for the Raiders. That's a game that they should have been more in contention with as far as I could see. They've also got injuries right now. They're contending with you know Henry Ruggs being out. Edwards is banged up. I think if Renfro's available in leagues, you, you might want to give him a look. Um, and you know They're basically using Renfro, Zay Jones, and Aguilar at receiver. But I didn't like the way they lost. It should have been a much better effort from the Raiders. It was a very disappointing loss to me. 
Yeah, not much really to add to that. Uh, we went over the Chiefs. There's nothing to talk about or add to such excellence. Yeah, the, Ra- the Raiders are kind of banged up. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the Raiders game. I got to watch the replay of that game. So I didn't see, you know, if, if Waller really was laboring through the game. But, like, I don't know. I just uh, – I didn't like anything about it. I, I mean, I feel a great player like that. You've got to throw him the ball and get him the ball often. It doesn't really matter what the other team is doing. Um, you know, teams try and take with Travis Kelsey, yet he gets 10 targets a game. Um, I know that their supporting cast is a lot better than the Raiders' supporting cast. But still, you have to find ways to get your great players the ball. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure the Raiders do that on a consistent basis. Uh, and they're definitely hurt and banged up uh, with some of their other key players. Uh, the Broncos, like you mentioned before, are just a, uh, just a, just a mess. Um you know, Judy and Font are, you know, the only players I think. I mean, I guess you could still be okay owning Melvin Gordon, but unless you have Judy or Font, there's really not much to to go for as far as the Broncos go. And as far as the Chargers go, if you own Keenan Allen, what you may want to do is send a thank you note or letter to the team doctor. That's all I could say about that. Send a note or a thank you to the team doctor, Sean Keenan Allen, for making sure that Tyrod Taylor sat out the rest of the season by puncturing his lung, uh, by by uh, giving him an injection. So I don't know how a doctor still has his license after doing something like that. But that got Herbert in there, and he's been a different player, Keenan Allen, since Herbert's gotten in there. They may want to seek, uh, see if there's an investigation, if that was done intentionally or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm not joking. It's, it's tough to I joke mean, around. I mean, if the team doctor was in a fantasy league and owned Keenan Allen, oh my I God. mean, that would be incredible. It would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah, that's it for the AFC. A, a lot of stuff to cover. Like like Wiz said, we'll be paying very close attention uh, to, to what's going on and unfolding and be trying to advise people as best we can because there were no bye weeks and there, there may be a few bye weeks uh as a result of this, but we'll see. Lots of news to cover. We got the NFC coming up next. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Make sure you subscribe. We're, you know, as Wiz said, giving out great stuff every single episode. So, Wiz, we'll talk to you in a little bit about the NFC, and uh, we'll wish everybody a good Tuesday. You got it.